Welcome to Let's Jaws for a Minute, the podcast which took a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's masterpiece and is now setting sail into uncharted waters to discover the world beyond Jaws. I'm Sarah Buddery. Um, and I'm MJ Smith. And this week we're going to talk about Jaws The Revenge, which I'm sure a lot of you are excited to hear us talk about. Um, <laughs> but we have a guest on this journey for us. Someone volunteered to come on this podcast <laughs> to talk about Jaws The Revenge. So welcome back to the show, everyone. Sharia Chala. Welcome back. Hi, hi, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, we are, you've already answered the Jaws question, um, Mm. which means you are very prepped for the audience, and Uh. uh, now we're ready to talk about this 1987 masterpiece. Um, So, Jaws the Revenge was released in 1987. It is the fourth and final Jaws sequel, minus... uh, the referenced one in uh, Back to the Future 2. And um, we start back in Amity, and Sean Brody gets immediately murdered. Uh, Mm. (laughs) And Ellen immediately figures out that the reason he was murdered by this shark, he's murdered by a shark, uh, is because a shark is exacting revenge upon the Brody family. Michael's working in the Bahamas as a shark researcher, as a, as a marine biologist, and um, he comes up for Sean's funeral. They take Ellen back to the Bahamas with them, where the shark follows them and proceeds to attempt to eat various friends and family members of Michael Brody and Ellen Brody. Uh, and then they explode it with electromagnets and the bow the bow of the ship um (laughs) and reuse the same footage of the shark dying (laughs) from jaws i can feel your soul leaving your body while you're talking about this there's two (laughs) endings to the movie which we'll talk about um also it uh pioneered the tagline this time it's personal which i did not know and that's very funny. It has a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. And Michael Caine's there this time. So Lorraine Gary, Michael Caine, Lance Guest, and Mario Van Peebles are uh, sort of the four top-of-the-line uh, cast members. It was directed by Joseph Sargent, who also directed The Taking of Pelham 1-2-3, um, if you did not know. So that's Jaws the Revenge, baby! <laughs> uh... <laughs> Sharia, what did you think about Jaws the Revenge? Well, buddy, I'll tell you this right now. When we, you were just giving the plot synopsis, I could feel your soul leaving your body. I'll say it again. Um, <laughs> and um, t- I'll tell you this. Um, there are a lot of things you can say about this movie. A lot of things you can critique. And, you know, that you'd be right in all of those things. I <laughs> don't usually like saying a movie is boring. 
but I am going to hear, unfortunately. This is a boring movie. Honestly, nothing happens in it. And I, I was just watching it again for the, for the episode. So I, I j literally just rolled credits two minutes before I came on. And <laughs> I genuinely, like, I haven't, this one of the most lifeless, just, you know, lazy sequels that I've seen in so many ways. You talked about the reused footage in there for a second, and there is, which is insanely mm -hmm. wild to me. Um, it felt very Superman 4-like, like, you know, mm -hmm. the final shot of that is also in the mm -hmm. 87, by the way. Um, <laughs> used, um, yeah, 1987 was a weird year for some of these part fours. Um, but, yeah, um, I don't know. I think um, at this point in time, Everything has has to be said about this movie has been said, and that's just it's not good. I'm sorry, there was an emotional story <laughs> I had with the first one. I don't have that here. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely well, certainly lacking any of that emotional story that there is in Jaws. But the funny thing is, I think it's really trying for it, um, and I will say that I <laughs> uh, controversially quite enjoy this film for how ridiculous it is i think mm. just i really the 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 fact that the entire plot of this is this shark has a personal vendetta against the brody family that's not meant to be funny but that as a concept is endlessly amusing to me um so i do get a bit of a kick out of that having just watched jaws 3d where uh, I'd had a, a lot of painkillers and was a slightly delirious while while watching it. This, I, I I definitely get what you're saying about this this being boring because not a whole lot happens and there are hardly any kills. And I forgot in Jaws 3D just how many people were killed and then was quickly corrected when <laughs> I realised quite a lot of people actually are killed mm. by limiting it to this shark is only going after the Brody family we're very very limited and we even get one of the kills taken away right at the end which I I uh, am never not annoyed by mm -hmm. all that being said there is still some good to cut to come out of this film I don't know what it is about this film I definitely prefer it to Jaws 3D I do mm. maintain for as ridiculous and ludicrous and laugh out loud bad Jaws 3D is I, as a film, I do enjoy watching this one more. I don't think it is the weakest of the, the Jaws sequels. I think Jaws, Jaws 3D is. Mm. Um, but this, there are, there, are, there are parts of it that, with my LJ fam hat on today watching it, there were parts of it where I was like, oh, oh, 3 doesn't really feel any connection to Jaws at all. It's almost like it doesn't exist in the same universe. And 2 has like a couple of, wild things like Brody's yellow barrel lawn decoration that is clearly you know there for like oh hey remember this thing from from the first film there's quite a lot of that in this and it's you say subtle but I picked up on them quite easily like even just this opening the opening scene um it's it's Sean at home with Ellen. He cuts his finger, I think, like while cutting some some vegetables. He sure and does. It's, yeah, it's exactly like the opening scene of Jaws when when Michael cuts his finger and then the phone rings and I'm like, all of it was just it felt like deja vu. <laughs> Watching this uh, a little bit, we get some familiar faces and Mrs. Taft and Mrs. Kintner. 
there's the scene that they basically completely steal, which is um, Thea, uh, who is Michael's Michael Brody's daughter, copying Michael and Ellen, sort of watching it. There's just little things like that, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> this is one of those examples of a sequel where it is putting things in for the sake of it and being like hey remember this thing from that thing that you loved and I find that as a tactic very cloying when it's done badly and I think it is done badly in this there's a lot there I've got I've actually got a surprising amount to say about this this film but Mm. yeah that 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 idea of taking the things that work so well in Jaws because they're there for a reason they're there for an emotional reason or for progressing the story and just taking those elements out shoving them into this and they're not there for any particular purpose or meaning just doesn't doesn't sit that right with me and just straight up using the same footage at the end is really just lazy filmmaking (laughs) Mm -hmm. so all that said also (laughs) they decided to cut down the bushes right outside the window where I'm recording today. <laughs> so, sorry. Inconsiderate. <laughs> Good is not the right word for this movie. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> I might say kinda good. Um, <laughs> might say. I think there's a lot of interesting stuff happening in this movie mm. um it's poorly executed mm-hmm. but especially in the first half b- because there's a way you can kind of write off the revengey part of it um there's a lot of interesting ideas presented i think um or maybe this is my lj fam we're gonna look too deeply into everything hat <laughs> on um this is not the worst Jaws sequel. Uh, and also, nor do I think it's the second worst Jaws sequel, I think. Good oh, Lord. shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's my favorite Jaws sequel, and it's probably the one I'm going to watch the most. <laughs> oh my god, we're, we're about to get cancelled. <laughs> I mean, good thing is, this is the last one, so, you know, you'll get cancelled and know that it's over. So, yay! Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's been a good run we've yeah. enjoyed ourselves um i really like okay so this was my first time watching jaws the revenge oh and i have always heard it's so bad and i think that might have been like wildly blown out of proportion for like i was expecting like totally unwatchable bad mm. like mm-hmm. like mm. but you're also talking to a guy who willingly put himself through ouija shark so, <laughs> like, I, I, it's hard for me to... I, I just don't see 0% on Rotten Tomatoes bad mm. in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that might, had a lot to do with it. Like, it has such a reputation that when I got to it, I was like, I don't know. I think Lorraine Gary's, like, kind of good in this. I think Michael Caine's kind of good in this. Like, they don't get anything to do, but, like, they're charismatic and good actors. So, like, I don't hate watching them. And... They spent some money on it, like filming, like the filming locations are all really pretty and like the shark sucks. Like, don't get me wrong. It's a terrible shark, but they tried a damn sight more than they did in three with the shark. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think like it's really interesting to have 
you know, it, so this movie ignores Jaws 3 completely. So Sean doesn't have the sort of Colorado schooling background or the, um, the fear, the total fear of the water. So I think it's really interesting that Sean followed in the footsteps of his dad because we see how much Sean looks up to his dad in mm-hmm. the first two movies. And so, like, that's good. I think this movie understands Jaws and, like, how to kind of continue the story a little bit better than the other two sequels, even though it does it in an insane way. Like, I think character-wise, it kind of understands where these people would be coming from. And I think there's up to a certain point where you could read a lot of their viewing of, like, the revenge of the shark, kind of what we were talking about in the Jaws 2 episode, Sarah, where you could see how it could be, like, a mental PTSD thing where, like, oh, there is a shark, therefore I think the family is cursed. Because, mm-hmm. the like, the voodoo curse from the novelization is not in the movie. Um, <laughs> and so up to a certain point, it's actually got some really interesting stuff to kind of poke around in while nothing is happening on screen that, like... <laughs> I was able to be like, oh, like, this is Ellen dealing with the PTSD that she suffered. Like, it explores Ellen as a character a lot more than any of the other sequels. And, like, I kind of like that because I like Ellen. So, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. it's a weird one for me. It's, it's not that bad, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's boring. It's really boring. Like, that <laughs> the entire middle section, nothing happens. Like, once yeah. they get to the Bahamas... <laughs> Once they get to the Bahamas, nothing happens. But I liked all the Amity stuff kind of a lot. I mean, the kills suck. Like, yeah, the, the editing in the in the 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 shark attack with Sean is terrible. Um, uh-huh. And like when he loses his arm, it's clear that he just has his arm underneath his jacket. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's then. very funny. <laughs> <laughs> right then, I had a clue on what this kind of movie was gonna be like. Like, like right then, mm-hmm. and yeah, it was the editing. Like, I, I actually, uh, I think it was Sarah who was seeing those texts when when we were just about to sign on. I was like, the editing is the killer. You're not the shark. Like, it's yeah. just, oh god, it was really that that entire sequence. I was like, can you tell what's going on? Like, I'm actually no. asking. No, no, <laughs> no. Mm-hmm. Like, I honestly thought he was just, like, shredding some piece of paper. Like, I, like, any random piece of paper. (laughs) So. Yeah, it's rough. Like, the editing in this is, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's not good. That that message did really make me laugh Mm -hmm. quite a bit. um, And and his. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, please go on, please. No, I was, just, I was just saying it's very true. The 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 real villain here is the is the editing, not the not the shark. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no, I was gonna say one thing. Okay, so here's the cool part. The the part that's really funny is like the editing's bad and too quick over there. And then when you get to the ending, and it's um, I forgot his name, but when he's about to get taken down, uh, the other friend who's working with uh, with Michael. The oh, slow Jacob? motion, yeah, Jake. It's slow motion. The shark comes up, takes yeah. him, and it all seems to be happening in real time. But it's so slowly. T- I was like, yeah. "What happened there? Like, and how is the shark in the air for so long?" Like, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah, that I've got that in my notes. Like the the slow motion when Jake is uh, taken, not killed, yeah. comes back. Boo to that. Yeah. Um, when he is taken by the shark. There's like, they did this in 
Jaws 3 as well, where they did that stupid slow motion stuff when the the shark like comes through the, the glass in the aquarium. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, you've got to see it. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> um, but the... I don't know, those like slow motion reactions. And I swear like Michael Brody is yelling Jake for like the longest time. It's like, Jake! It's forever. (laughs) But like times by 10. (laughs) By the way, I swear he says Nate in that scene. He probably does. (laughs) I swear he called him Nate. Like to the point where I was like, I thought his name was Jake. Would you be surprised? It's the slow motion, you can't tell. No. Would you be surprised? Yeah. I mean, this is a movie with the editing error where Michael Caine walks out of water with the shirt dry. Like, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> anything's possible. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, truly anything. Truly anything is possible. And I mean, we finally get confirmation and we have confirmation in the subtitles that this shark does indeed roar. This has been <clears throat> a, a hot point of contention in all of our <laughs> certainly in all the sequels has there been a bit where the shark roars <laughs> we are sort of like on the fence about whether the shark roars in in jaws there are moments when it kind of sounds like it but it could also sound like something else uh the subtitles today the confirmed it <laughs> yeah <there's... laughs> I, I even got the timestamp because i'm that bitch uh one hour 19 and 21 seconds it says in the subtitles roaring I've got picture evidence. <laughs> I took, I paused it. I took a picture of my screen. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> irrefutable evidence that this shark does indeed roar. But they, I don't know if I just imagined this, but, or maybe it's in like the novelization, but like they try to say that this shark did have a connection to the previous shark was like a descendant of Bruce or something like that. I don't know if that is just something that I have made up, but it's certainly not explored in this film yeah. at all. <clears throat> but I uh, picking up on something you were saying, MJ, I also really like the the Amity stuff. I think Lorraine Gary is actually really good in this film. I think she's a good actress. She doesn't get a lot to do, but just seeing more of her as a character when she's kind of a side player in, in Jaws, um, Jaws 2, she's, she has a little bit more, but it's that film is more about Brody and the kind of group of kids. This is really her film. And I kind of wish more had been made of that. And this idea that because of what she's gone, what she's gone through, and it's kind of unclear. Brody, as in Martin Brody, they say died of a heart attack, but I think she said it was like the the fear mm-hmm. or kind of like the, the, the PTSD and the trauma that had sort of just got gotten too much for him and, and he had died. Um, but she sort of uh, puts his death on the shark as well as the shark being kind of like the root cause of that trauma. So the shark didn't directly kill him. But yeah, in, in, in Ellen's world, there is a link there. And obviously the or you know sean is is killed by a shark so so she has that she has that and that idea of both her son who who died very young like let's not forget that's an incredibly traumatic thing to go through and then losing her husband pretty young as well um is i think interesting and i think much more could have could have been done with the film and it it just gets incredibly silly when it gets to the Bahamas and I that there is a good film in that like with Jaws 2 where we kind of fix that Jaws 3 I think is unfixable 
Um, but this has got elements in it where I'm like, mm, if that had only been explored a little bit more tackled by, I don't want to say this director is incompetent because he's made good films, but like just approached in a different way with someone who cared about it as much as Spielberg did with Jaws, it could have been a, it could have been a very, very different film. It could have been the sort of like personal story of, of Ellen managing her grief and, and dealing with that and dealing with mm. her own trauma as well. And, the shark kind of representing that you know it doesn't need to be this shark is seemingly you know seeking out the Brody family because I think that's where it loses me that's where it becomes ridiculous as much as I find that concept very funny um mm. it could have just been you know any shark she, <laughs> any shark she sees it doesn't need to be the same shark it doesn't need to be the same shark that freaking followed them from Martha's Vineyard <laughs> to the Bahamas it could just be another shark it you know she doesn't need to be in the bahamas even <laughs> there's I, I hope what i'm saying makes sense but like just it, her being haunted by what has happened to to her son and to her husband is something that is much more interesting this film just never mm. never takes that idea up to where it could get to i think it then <clears throat> just goes let's be dumb let's have a shark you know killing people chasing people and it doesn't even kill that many people that's the thing i think that pisses me off the most yeah. about this film is like how many people die sean and that woman on the banana boat mm -hmm. mm, yeah, that's it right that's yeah. two yeah that's interesting that's two yeah well this body count out of any draws film i feel cheated honestly <laughs> like and there was there was me like trashing jaws three and being like no not enough people died and then i was wrong <laughs> mm -hmm. quite a few people did and this it's just like I had convinced myself that Jake died as well. So then when he popped up again at the end, I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Don't get you back know? In the, like, get when back you in the get, mouth. <laughs> when you get chomped into half, then you survive. It's like the aliens <laughs> thing, you know? You get you gets broken into half. Bishop gets broken in half. But he's okay because he's a robot or something. I don't know. Maybe maybe Jake's a robot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even explain. <laughs> maybe he's a robot. Yeah, they don't even a... explain how he gets like how he gets out of the jaws nope. do they nope. like he right. just swam away also know. keep in mind the shark explodes right so shouldn't he have exploded sure yes with the shark? yes he should have yes he should have <laughs> <laughs> like, they're like oh dude that was crazy i was like bro how are you alive <laughs> yeah and i i actually wrote in my notes that i quite like the there's two shots well the, the woman on the banana boat who does die and then Jake who doesn't, you, we sort of see the shark. And even though the shark looks terrible, you see like their bodies like in the sh in the shark's mouth. And we've not really seen anything like that or close to that in any of the other films. Apart from in Jaws 3 when, what's his name? Britty McBritish face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, but that's like <laughs> from inside the jaws of the, <laughs> the jaws of the shark. Uh, and it's really, really dumb. But yeah, we. It. I was like, oh, that's a like a cool shot. Actually, like seeing the shark like carrying away the bodies. Like, <laughs> I quite enjoyed that. And then he doesn't even die. I'm just like, ah, you know what? Screw this film. Philip Fitzroyce. Uh, <laughs> Philip Fitzroyce. Fitzroy well, Britty McBritish face was close enough. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of Britty McBritish face. There's a Michael K. There's, there's a knight in this movie. 
A man who would become a sir is in Jaws the Revenge. A knight of the realm himself. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Confirm a theory all... for me. I believe he got an Oscar during the filming of this and he could mm-hmm. not attend because he was filming this. Yes. yes. So yes, Sir true. Michael Caine was not able to get his, his Oscar because of this yeah. movie. That is yeah. a crime there, that is my a... friends. That is... <laughs> I found, on that note, I found a great quote. I mean, I think everyone knows the, like, the famous quote from, mm. from Michael Caine mm-hmm. when, he's, when asked about Jaws. He's like, I haven't seen it. By all accounts, it's terrible. However, I have seen the house that it built, and it's terrific. Yep. Very funny. Uh, regarding the Oscars, um, this was in another interview. He said, uh, won an Oscar, built a house, had a great holiday. Not bad for a flop movie. <laughs> And I respect the hustle. He was paid $1.5 million for seven days' work in the Bahamas. The schedule was so tight, the producers were unable to spare him so he could attend the Oscar ceremony. And yeah, he went on to win the Best Actor uh, in a Supporting Role for Hannah and Her Sisters, 1986. Um, I mean, that is the very definition of a cushy job. I bet he got a lovely tan. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Had some lovely pina coladas. out in the actually what's the drink he orders i wrote it down uh, bahama, mama. Laugh. Bahama, bahama mama. mamas uh yeah. my notes say the line two bahama mamas spoken by uh michael kane lives in my mind rent <laughs> <laughs> i'm a bartender's kid so um, shit like that just like does not phase me <laughs> uh, it's just being said in a british accent yeah. it's being said by michael kane yeah, that just really that's, amuses me and, and, and <laughs> i think that's the thing right he's an oscar winning actor by the time this mm. film comes out mm. and it shows because like it shows that he doesn't really care but like even michael Caine not caring is still better than like 90 percent of most actors right <laughs> yeah, yeah because he's genuinely 100%. having fun in this like you yeah. can tell yeah. yeah, he's like he has mm-hmm. a he has good chemistry with all the cast members. I think like for sure he he has really good chemistry with Thea, the little girl, and like mm-hmm. um, he has really good chemistry with like him and him and Lorraine Gary have good chemistry. I actually really kind of like that arc that they had together. Like genuinely mm. thought it was I thought it was a great idea for like a Jaws sequel as like Ellen is processing this trauma that she can have this man in her life who can kind of like not replace Brody but you know kind of show her some hope on the other side of all that grief mm-hmm. right that's that's the thing these these are great ideas and these are great concepts that I I think would work better if they took time to explore it and not in a way that it was also tying into shark killing people you know and it just kind of mm-hmm. yeah I feel like there was a there was a better exploration in there somewhere. And, and you know, to add to that, I just, um, those moments, in fact, if it wasn't, uh, you know, going in for those, um, uh, I, there is one thing about it, though, that I feel like makes it a little jittery, but we'll talk more about that, I think, in a bit, which is she can sense the shark. Yeah, she has, mm. she has sharky sense. <laughs> she does yeah. have sharky sense. I feel like that takes away from it because it makes it suddenly a bit comical. It's like, what, now you can yeah. sense it? Like, six cents? Yeah. What is, what is, okay? Like, yeah. Wow. Her sharky senses start tingling and, yeah, yeah no. it's, that's when it gets, it, it gets a bit, yeah. <laughs> it gets a bit much, uh, uh, well, at many points, but particularly then, I think. And I, I said this about Jaws 2 as well, and I, I stand by this even though, it sounds ridiculous when I first say it, but that would be a better film if there wasn't a shark. 
mm-hmm. the exploring in that Brody suffering with PTSD and we talked about in that episode about he's basically becoming like Quint he's drinking more heavily he's smoking more than he has mm-hmm. done before he's very different character wise like he does some things that are very uncharacteristically unbrody and that that great scene when he sort of is like firing his his gun into into the sea because he he thinks he sees a shark and it's just a shadow of of some fish that idea of like him being so traumatized by what happened to him that he is kind of like seeing this shark everywhere and you know immediately attributes that that uh whale that washes up on the beach like yeah it's a shark and and all the rest of it and is so convinced and and then when it actually does turn out to be a shark i'm kind of like mm, okay so he was you know acting in ways that could be perceived as being quite irrational and then it's just like okay yeah no that was fine he was he was thinking straight because here's the shark to do the same thing that it was doing in every other freaking shark movie um and i don't want to sound like you know <laughs> hypocritical here because i'm saying like oh i wish there were more kills and all the rest of it like that is kind of what you come to a shark film for but also i i could take the shark out of jaws 4 and find a much more interesting film in there like we were saying mm-hmm. this this thing about ellen dealing with her with her grief and her trauma as well like yeah. actually giving the, the the spotlight to her for change i think is super interesting and finding yeah. a second shot at happiness with with hoagie as michael kane's character i like that idea i like that for her i don't know if it's just because i really like this character but this then when it starts getting like <clears throat> super silly and it's just like her and this shark are kind of in tune with each other yeah. mm-hmm. also she has some wild flashbacks of things that she wasn't present yeah for. she does uh, mm-hmm. yeah like when this is when it's like right towards the the end of of the film and i think they've just used it as an excuse just to slip some roy Scheider in there which mm-hmm. you know i'm a fan of but she wasn't there so yeah. <laughs> it's weird that it's in like sepia tones and presented like it's a flashback and even like flashbacks of sean's death as well yeah. she's like she was she didn't <laughs> she didn't witness it and she didn't have anyone to relay it to her like Brody could have been like yeah i climbed up on this thing and i shut the thing in the mouth and i said this really cool thing i was like smile you son of a bitch and it was great mm-hmm. like that could have happened they could have had that conversation over their morning coffee sean died no one saw it yeah. uh, why mm-hmm. is <laughs> it's just a weird thing to happen but anyway mm-hmm. yeah there is somewhere in this a good film and i don't think it involves a shark yeah no but it's uh, you... it's it's if you make how ellen got her groove back right like <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10 would watch <laughs> <laughs> i mean we kind of did yeah for a little bit and then yeah. they just this bloody shark has to come and ruin it all <laughs> yeah um but uh so you guys do any research about the music in this movie no, uh, but I'm no. interested. Okay, so I was like, the music's not that bad in this movie. Why is it not that bad? Well, it was not that bad because it was composed and conducted by Michael Small, who provided music for Clute, Marathon oh. Man, and, oh. and the Parallax View. Okay. Nice. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. It was not released until... for. Com- it was not... Okay. It was not released until the year 2000 for like and that was just promotional copies it was not released to be commercially available to the public until 2015 hmm wild Mm. yeah (laughs) how come 
I don't know. Uh, maybe it says here. Um... Huh. <laughs> Upon Small's death in 2013, the uh, uh, the Independent wrote that the composer of some distinction had the indignity of working on one of the worst films of all time. Hmm. <laughs> like most reviews of the soundtrack, the article criticizes the film while saying Small produced a fine score in the circumstances, as if anyone noticed. <laughs> well, we sad. noticed. <laughs> yeah. I actually thought the score um, wasn't too bad, which is, you know, that's something very funny. Um, I want to, this is a broader topic, but have you noticed how a lot of movies that aren't great have amazing scores? It yeah. happens more often than you think. Mm-hmm. Like every time, yeah. some, I know, like like especially very recently when uh, I think we were, I was talking to someone about I think it was like Transformers Five or something like that, which is not a great movie by any means. And but then we were like, hey, you know, the score was amazing, and the score, and I don't know what it is, but I feel like somewhere along the way, a music composer will just see what the story's about and be like, okay, this sucks. Let's just try and do the best job that we can, and let's make it work. And I just feel like that's what happened over there, too. But it also happened in this, because I do think that Small did a pretty good job with it, you know. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's very good. And, and similarly, 87, Superman 4, which I mentioned earlier, John Williams did that. It's a good score, even if Superman He did the whole sucks. score for that movie? Yes. That's wild. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he did a good um, job. So... A soundtrack album was announced when the film opened, however, the release was cancelled following the film's disappointing performance at the box office. A promotional version of the album was released in 2000 on audio CD and cassette. Reviews for the soundtrack were uh, were more favorable than for the film. And, um... Let's see. Uh, <laughs> dismissing the film as engagingly unwatchable. Uh, Small certainly gave revenge a lot more than it deserved, and this is a much better score than Deep Blue Sea, whatever that means. Mm-hmm. One article stated. <laughs> uh, and then, so in 2015, Intrata Records had reissued the Jaws 3D score, um, got the rights to the revenge, and they got access to everything. So they had all the session mixes. So it has... The, the, the 2015 release is actually like almost double the length of the promotional release in 2000. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. So now you know a lot more about the Jaws of the Revenge score than anyone needs to know. But yeah. Yeah. here we are. Impress all my buddies. Yep. <laughs> but by the way, another thing I learned while perusing this Wikipedia page is that production ended in... Let's see. Uh... June 4th, 1987. Oh, wow. Film released July 17th, 1987. Whoa. That's... And like, and like, filming. Filming finished in June. Or no, production. Second unit photography finished on June 4th, 1987. Oh, wow. Whoa. See, that would explain some of the reused shots too then. Because they probably were like, hey, we're shot for time. That has a different explanation. So, (laughs) um, oh gosh, (laughs) the ending was so poorly received that Mm -hmm. they reshot the ending five days after the movie came back. Came out. Oh. Um. Yep. 
And that's the version that was released in other Western countries besides the U.S. And the original's ending can only be seen on cable broadcasts and has not been released on any home video format. So that's why we get the reused shark footage at the end is because mm. it wasn't in there originally. Mm. And they had they had to reshoot it and get it into the movie before it released across the rest of the Western United or the, uh, the Western countries. Okay. Wow. So was was the ending completely different? Because someone said this on Twitter. They changed the end. And yeah. They're, they're so, bummed about it. So but... Jacob dies officially at the end. Good. And the shark <laughs> just bleeds to death, essentially, when it gets stabbed mm-hmm. by, the, okay. by the front of the ship. Which, I mean, it makes more sense because I, I don't know if it's just the editing or the fact that, yeah, we're seeing a different end to this film than what was originally intended. But is, was anyone else just really, like, super confused about how the shark actually died? Like, my my notes are just very vague, like, okay, they just ram into the shark and it blows up. Like, that shark mm-hmm. blows the F yeah, up. Mm. <laughs> there's, like, bits There's bits of shark, like, coming down the camera. Like, there is not a, a scrap of this shark left. And I'm like, that seems uh, too much explosion mm-hmm. for that amount of impact. I don't know. It's... <laughs> It feels like a thing, a weird thing to nitpick, but it's no, just no, a no. very it's a totally valid poor point. ending. It's a valid point, though. Yeah. Um, I think it was another review that I was watching many years ago where someone freeze-framed that sequence. And if you see the moment before the explosion, there's no hint of an explosion. It's just a stab, <laughs> and then suddenly the next frame <laughs> is an explosion. And <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. So... Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, there's not like there's a bomb in the shark or something like that, unless Jake had some kind of thing in there, the half of his body that's inside. Um, but I don't think that's it. So um. yeah, it was because like the original idea is that they put this device in there and it's connected to the other device and it sends like electromagnetic signals that confuse the shark mm-hmm. and make its systems go haywire. Is essentially what happens. They hack the shark. They hack okay. the shark. Is what happens. Mm-hmm. They treat the shark like it's a damn sentinel from the Matrix. Like, they use an EMP on it. And then it gets... Look, Shark shark Hackers is a (laughs) sci-fi film waiting to happen. Yeah. (laughs) I would definitely watch Shark Hackers. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, carry on. Um, And then, yeah, and then... Presumably, the original ending is the shark has this, like, electromagnetic impulse coming from... Like, the call is coming from inside the shark, and then it gets confused and, like, in pain because it's roaring in pain in that sequence. Mm. And then it gets impaled by the boat and bleeds out from the boat. So that's what would originally kill it. Why mm. it explodes? Beyond anyone, I think. Uh, except maybe Joseph <laughs> Sargent. So Ebert said in his review that he could not believe that the director would film his final climactic scene so incompetently that there is not even an establishing shot. So we have to figure out what happened on the basis of empirical evidence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love when Ebert hates a movie. It's the best. I am. Okay, so fun thing about that review. I want to give some special shout to that because there's an argument that happened a while ago about what film criticism is like. Is it a form of art? And someone was like, hey, if it's a negative review, that can't be a form of art because there's no value to it. I'm like, there is. 
in the sense that if it's something constructive, if it adds to you know talking about film in general, about you know addressing what how a movie can be made, then a negative review can be pretty great. Like you can learn from it. Yeah. And that does constitute mm-hmm. as a form of art. I think the review that they did for Jaws 4 is a great example of that because they're not just being like, hey, hey, this movie sucks. They're genuinely telling you why and they're explaining it. And they do such a great job in those five minutes or so of explaining it. I honestly had to give props mm-hmm. to that. That's one of the best negative... It's a negative review, yes, but it's one of the best negative reviews I've seen because you walk out of it saying, okay, here's what you don't do next time. Yeah. Here's what you don't do in your movie. Mm-hmm. And no, they, I yeah. Oh no, I was just saying that's a that's a really great review. It's a great inspiration for anyone who ever thinks of trashing a movie. I'm like, this is how you do it with class, you know. So <laughs> yeah, no, I think about that a lot. And if like there's like I have my own like personal ethos as like a film critic. If I even am one, I suppose I am. I'm an amateur film critic at best. But uh, um, I yeah, I definitely I think about that a lot. Like if I'm gonna go talk about a movie like even on my other podcast right we just and this is going to get kind of meta um but mm. my other podcast we just did an episode on dr strange the multiverse of madness which is a film that i liked but i also understand kind of why people didn't like certain aspects of it and i since since phase three has ended have been pretty critical of like the mcu in general i haven't liked a lot of their output since then mm. and um i think it's just getting kind of long in the tooth but like we have largely on that show not done a lot of this new phase four stuff because one, we've talked about a lot of the other phase one, two and three stuff on the show. I feel like I don't have a lot to say about it. So rather than just being like, I hate that, like I'm choosing to not engage with it in that way anymore. And it's a conscious decision because I'd rather talk about one more interesting stuff, or if I have something negative to say, have it be not just constructive, but also interesting. Like it doesn't have mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. constructive necessarily. You can hate a movie. Like I mm-hmm. hated Jurassic world dominion. And <laughs> that definitely eschews to, Hey, this movie sucks. But mm-hmm. I think what I tried to do because I don't like any of the movies in the Jurassic world franchise is be like, okay, well, what makes it work versus what makes the original movie work? Versus this, which is essentially the same thing. And that's, I think, mm-hmm. what we... I think that's what we we're kind of getting at here. Of Like, there's stuff in here that could work. And there's interesting things on the page that just sure. don't get explained. And that's, like... That's way better than just, like, screaming in front of a wall of Funko Pops. You know? like Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, like... I mean, we are kind of... Well, hopefully, like doing doing just that on on this episode. Yeah. Like, I think mm-hmm. it's so easily to dump to like dump on this film and be like, it's terrible. It's one of the worst films ever made. Like, it mm-hmm. obviously has a naught percent Rotten Tomatoes for a reason. Like, whether we agree with it or not, I don't think it's a naught percent. I really don't. Zero percent. I... <laughs> like nothing. Yeah, about that's it? I don't know. Harsh. <laughs> it's harsh. As and like, I mean, that is just uh, a metric, but it's it's one mm. that sort of people do refer to quite a lot, but we are saying you know here are some good things about it it sucks because it doesn't do enough with those things and Mm -hmm. it's with a sequel as well people are always like oh but don't like compare it to what came before and it's like when something is part of a franchise and it is the same characters and it is the continuation of a story if you will and you can see jaws one two and the revenge as their own trilogy really three just does its own thing and 
just is Jaws in name only, really. Um, but but this does actually sort of see see the continuation of that story. So like, obviously, it's not going to be as good as Jaws. But then it's like, okay, let's unpack that. What was it about Jaws that is so great? And it's because it is more than just what it appears to be it is not just about a shark film it's barely about it's barely about a shark as we've said many many times it's about so many other things and it does those things very effectively and while this while revenge and jaws 2 have parts of them that are about something other than you know just a shark or or whatever it just doesn't execute them with that same finesse it doesn't have the we could not i said this i think about three possibly two as well uh, we could not sit down and break this film down minute by minute i mm-hmm. there are so many bits where we would just really struggle because mm-hmm. there just isn't that same level to it mm-hmm. and it doesn't try it it doesn't ever try to to be that or if it is trying to be that it doesn't execute it it mm-hmm. well enough but yeah it's i've seen many people just say like oh yeah jaws jaws revenge sucks and i think some people just say it because they know it to be true because they've heard other people say it mm-hmm. whether they've seen or seen it or not and that's just an you know an opinion that that people have or have reached from 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 watching it or not sort of really really giving it time you know i'm, I'm not saying it doesn't suck because it kind of does but also like mm-hmm. let's unpack that like just saying a film sucks kind of isn't enough Right. really i think it's like why does why does it suck mm-hmm. and there are plenty of reasons why <laughs> why this sucks mm-hmm. but most of the reasons why it's it sucks for me is that it doesn't do enough with the things in it that are good mm-hmm. which is kind of complex yeah, <laughs> like sure. thing to try and unpack with any film i think is like it's not necessarily that these things are bad mm-hmm. because i i don't know if if any film is completely like beginning to end terrible no I'm sure there are some examples. <laughs> Maybe I just haven't seen them, but like you can certainly find these things in it. And even if it is just, you know, as I said, the, th- the thing that is bad is that it is not doing enough with the things in it that are good. That's still better than just like, oh yeah, it sucks because it's, it's mm-hmm. bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, this might, I'm, I'm sorry for how much reading out loud I'm doing on this episode. No, no, it's good. <laughs> but th- this, uh, this Ebert review is fantastic. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's a pretty large chunk of it. I believe that the shark wants revenge against Mrs. Brody. I do. I really do believe it. After all, her husband was one of the men who hunted this shark and killed it, blowing it to bits. And what shark wouldn't want revenge against the survivors of the men who killed it? Here are some things, however, I do not believe. That Mrs. Brody would be haunted by flashbacks to events where she was not present. And in that, in some cases, no survivors witnessed. That the movie would give us one shark attack as a dream sequence, have the hero wake up in a sweat, then give us a second shark attack, and then cut to the hero awake in bed, giving us the only thing worse than the old it's only a dream routine, which is the old is it a dream or not routine. That Mrs. Brody would commandeer a boat and sail out alone into the ocean to sacrifice herself to the shark so that the killing could end. That Michael Caine's character could or would crash land his airplane at sea so that he and two other men could swim to Mrs. Brody's rescue. That after being trapped in a sinking airplane by the shark and disappearing under the water, Michael Caine could survive the attack, swim to the boat, and climb on board not only completely unhurt, but also wearing a shirt and pants that 
are not even wet. That the shark would stand on its tail in the water long enough for the boat to ram it. And finally, that the director, Joseph Sargent, would film this final climactic scene so incompetently that there is no, not even an establishing shot, so we have to figure out what happened on the basis of empirical evidence. God damn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the that is goat, a man. The goat. Oof. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's how you that's how you critique a film. <laughs> that is evisceration right there. Well, and I think the other thing that's important to remember here, not that we have any fans of Jaws of the Revenge listening, because I think I'm the one. Um, <laughs> Ebert very famously gave Anaconda like three and a half stars or something. Um, mm-hmm. That movie's terrible. I love it, but it's so bad. Uh, so he's not above this kind of stuff. No. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I think that's something too, because like people, I don't know. People get this is a separate conversation, but people come after Ebert for weird reasons, and uh, yeah. So he's definitely not above this. I mean, all you got to do is watch Beyond the Valley of the Dolls to know that is not, not above some dog shit. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I mean, if we really want to play that, that's a. There's one other review. He gave the worst Pixar movie, Cars, to three and a half out of four. Did he really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. So, That's so funny. I didn't know that. I mean, yeah, he loved Cars too. So, what do you know, right? So, yeah, the only that's the only Pixar movie I've turned off and have never finished. Yeah, he yeah, loved it. It's very bad. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> and, oh, and it's amazing Whiplash because I remember his um, his new reviews were coming in the paper that time. And it was, Cars 2 was like a week before, I think, Transformers 3. So it was amazing whiplash of going from a 3.5 out of 4 for Cars 2 to a 1 for Transformers 3. <laughs> it's like, and both of them have about the same Rotten Tomatoes consensus. So it's kind of like, what? <laughs> like, what, what happened there? Um, but... Yeah. I, don't know. I mean, yeah. He, I mean, the man himself not above criticism at all. Like uh, his whole video games aren't art thing was insane, but also a different podcast. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, uh, oh, go ahead, Trey. Oh no, I wasn't gonna say anything. I was, I was quiet. <laughs> uh, so yeah, not. I mean, there's not. It's it sucks because like there's not a lot to talk about. I know this got kind of like esoteric, maybe about like the 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 ethics of film criticism but like because there it's because nothing happens in this movie pretty um, much no. yeah like uh michael's dressed as quint at the end did you guys catch that yes yes that's all i have to say about it <laughs> right at the beginning sean is uh he has killed wearing a yellow jacket confirmed mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. yellow is a thing mm-hmm. that leads to murder uh when <laughs> when michael is attacked by the shark in what i would argue is maybe the most exciting thing in the movie despite the shark looking like ass uh when he's attacked and like he has to swim away from it um he when he when he surfaces to get back onto the dock there's a yellow cleat uh like the the cleat that they tie mm. off the the rope on um there's a yellow yeah, cleat yeah. on the dock and his little uh, little submarine thing is, is oh, yeah. as well. That scene is actually really. I like good. it a lot. <laughs> like, yeah, that's one of the best. That's one of the best scenes in it. Like, it, like how it, the sort of the chase scene with the the jet ski and in, in Jaws mm-hmm. two that I really enjoyed. 
It's just mm. something quite thrilling about like a shark chasing a person yeah. that I that I quite enjoy, and you don't even see the shark that much in the scene, which probably makes it better because the shark looks like ass. But yeah, mm. that scene is actually pretty good because mm-hmm. at this point, like we know that the shark is going after the Brodies, like however much sense that makes or not. So genuinely, anytime like a Brody is in the water or near the water we're kind of like, oh no, something is, is going to happen. So I guess it, in a way it is at least effectively creating some kind of suspense. Mm. It just doesn't really, the editing lets it down in the, <laughs> in that, mm. in that sense. And just, I guess the filmmaking in general, that it's not, it's not doing enough with that. That's a very good point about like the, the best attacks being dream sequences as well. Mm. I, did you guys see the film? I don't want to spoil it in case you didn't. Uh, Forty-seven meters down, a shark yes. film. Uh, yes. No. Okay. I, don't, I, I won't. I'll. I'll. I don't care. Do you no. care? Or. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Dream. Okay. Well, they they do something at the at the end of that film, and sorry if I'm explaining it badly, then maybe you can help me out. But like, they they basically do like a fake out ending um where you think something happens and if i'm remembering it right it's that they that they get out but then they get attacked by the shark or something like that but Mm. then it basically the real ending is that the girl has just gone like insane because she's running out of oxygen and she's like hallucinated that whole thing and she's just Mm. slowly dying at the bottom of the ocean i was so pissed (laughs) Yeah, so yeah, yeah. pissed. It's kind of the life thing. Like there was a couple of years later, the movie oh, Life mm-hmm, with Jake mm-hmm. Gyllenhaal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah where yeah. they're like, oh, they made it back. All of like Rebecca Ferguson made it back, but really she's the one knocked into space, and the creature lands back yeah. on Earth. And and I was kind of like, mm. so my so I just I just remember that ending pissed off some people, especially because I saw that movie on a plane, and then next to me there was a guy who was also watching the movie. And he got to that scene. And when you're done with a movie on a plane, sometimes, they, you know, they give you that screen, which is like, did you like the movie? Did you dislike uh-huh. the movie? Like, feedback. Immediately as that scene happened, he, tur- he pressed back. They're like, did you like it or dislike it? He gave it a one star and moved back. <laughs> immediately put something else on. So I was like, that guy's a legend. <laughs> I truly love that like knee-jerk reaction of like <laughs> something finishes you don't have the time you don't really sit there and think about it like why did i like this why didn't i like exactly what we're doing yeah. now and dissecting a film it's just like no one star I, you know what not movie, recommend you know what movie did that same thing we're talking about that and it's already not a good movie but i was like so happy they were doing this and then it became a vision is Twilight Breaking Dawn Part Two? Um, oh. When they when oh, with yeah. the the final like Volturi short showdown. Maybe that's Part One. I don't remember. It's one of the last two. It's Part, it's part two. two. It's Part Two. And it turns out mm-hmm. it's just yeah. Ashley Green. I don't remember her character's name. Do like showing Michael Sheen Alice. what would happen. Alice showing mm. Michael Sheen what would happen if they had the fight. Like I was just like, holy crap, they're doing it because I knew how the book ended, and mm. uh, yeah. the book doesn't end like that. I think. Um, no, no, no. And so when that was happening, <laughs> I was like losing my mind in the theater. I was like, I can't believe that they have baited us for like five movies 
And now they're doing this like super ballsy ending where like a lot mm. of these yeah. characters are dying. Like this is awesome. And then they immediately pulled back on it. And I was like, oh, well, never mind. <laughs> I hate <laughs> this again. There was a. <laughs> when I saw that at the cinema, and this was quite a long time ago. And you've just, like, unlocked a core memory I didn't <laughs> remember that I had, MJ. There was a visceral reaction to that happening. It was a mixture of kind of, like, people who had read the books and people who hadn't. I had read the book, so I, I knew I knew kind of, like, what was coming. But if you just watch the films and don't read the books, absolutely fair enough. Mm. <laughs> you don't have to read the books. But the way people reacted to that is something that I don't know if I've ever experienced. It was a mixture of kind of like just complete disbelief that all of those characters were, were being killed off. And then like legit mad when the, the rock was like pulled after and it was like, oh, actually it's like <laughs> none of them are dead. It was just a vision. I thought that there was going to be a riot in this cinema, to be honest. Like it, it was like a, like a just a weird vibe after that. Mm, I can't even. <laughs> That's I, very funny. I had completely forgotten that. Oh well, I can't even tell my Breaking Dawn stories because, well, they're kind of illegal. So. Whoa. Um, um, oh, oh well, now we need to know. <laughs> okay, actually, you know what? There is a legit explanation for this. So let me let me pref let me give you some context. So, um. I, this was coming out on the time I was in India. So in India, there's the the way ratings work for like movies is like, like for example, a rated R movie means you cannot go in unless you're older than seventeen alone, right? Okay. So you need to be with an mm -hmm. adult. Right. Okay. In India, when a movie comes out and it's an adult movie, it's adult. So unless you're eighteen, you're not getting in, even okay. if you're with an adult guardian. So before, so Twilight. The three movies that came out until Eclipse, they were like PG-13. It was like that. It was okay. So kids were going, the teenagers were going to the movie theaters and all that. A lot of friends of mine that I knew were into it, of course. Um, and Breaking Dawn Parts 1 and 2 were rated R. And <laughs> I don't, apparently because the first one had the sex scene, and then I guess the second one also had kind of a sex scene. And that time our... I guess the whatever the board here in India was weird about it. So apparently, both of them was rated R. And the teenagers were like, well, we want to see the movie, so what do we do? Um, so they, they downloaded it. And oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, and they, they watched it. And then I get to school on Monday morning, the weekend after the movie opens. By the way, those, those were some legit prints, I guess. I didn't watch it like that. Um, but um, everyone was just complaining <laughs> and so loudly about both that 2011, 2012, both those movies because they were just like, that was a fake out. All that was milked up to nothing. It's terrible, you know. The sex scene was so vanilla. I was like, did you guys just watch it for the sex scene? <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> what's wrong with you people? <laughs> like, <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so not illegal on my end. I did not do this. Um, <laughs> I'm I, right. I, that's a, not as bad as I. I'm yeah. throwing my other oh, might friends. Be, genuinely. I'm my other friends under the bus here. You yeah. Know? So I mean, that's uh, all right. We don't we don't name names yeah. here. It's fine. And if I'm one of them was named Ralph. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> And if I'm being totally honest, Full I address. owe my entire interest in film to not so legally acquiring films in high school. So, 
Yeah. Hey, access like, was done. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. I think that someone needs to write a piece that's like, hey, the entire reason like film Twitter and so many people are into film and film criticism right now more than ever is because of that whole movement in the early, early 2000s. Like we all did it and mm-hmm. no one admits it. And it's crazy to me. Also, all those footages on film Twitter, all those tweets with the video. Yeah. Where do you think those are coming from? Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that one shot exactly. from Thor that people keep dunking on. It's just like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is not a legit <laughs> shot they released. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I thankfully it's not like a huge, a huge plot point in this. But those, yeah, those fake out scenes are annoying. I think when mm-hmm. we're denied like so much yeah. action in this Mm-hmm. in this film like it really does i think that's what makes it feel so boring even though mm-hmm. i do also low-key enjoy watching it it's just that nothing really happens in it there aren't those kills there aren't many of those exciting scenes and that's why i think that chase scene with the shark and, and michael stands out because it is one of the very few sequences like it in the mm-hmm. film um so it sort of stands out for that reason but yeah then when you sort of have these and it happens with Ellen first, right? Where she sort of like has a dream. She's she's being attacked by the shark and then it happens to Michael later. And it's just mm-hmm. kind of like, uh, I don't know. To use something, a lazy like plot device once. Okay, that's kind of annoying to use it twice. It's like, all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sure. It just is I, it's cheating. It just feels like it's cheating a little bit. And there could, mm-hmm. there, I mean, there's not to, you know, bang on about Jaws, but it's kind of what we do here. It's, there are there are moments in Jaws where I mean one of the best sequences in the whole film is the two guys who go out with the holiday roast to to try and catch the shark. Not a single person dies in that scene, but it's still very exciting, very thrilling, and we don't even see the shark. Like you can have moments that that are exciting, that are real, that don't necessarily then result in someone getting chomped in half. And then it doesn't even fully give us the death Caesar. It's just, there's a lot of like wasted potential yeah. mm-hmm. um, in this film, I think, that is mm. frustrating for me. <laughs> it's it, it's frustrating more than it is bad, I think. Yeah. And that's not to say it's good. Oh, I have a very complicated relationship <laughs> with this. That's film. fair. Hey, it's like a guilty pleasure, right? You think it's it's like so bad it's good at times. 100%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah. There is one scene in this that did. I thought this was a wasted opportunity, but there's this love. There's this moment where they try to reference the first one, with the um, the mimicking, like he's mimicking his dad. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, and they tried that in this one too, mm-hmm. where Michael's trying to, you know, with his child, and um, they're doing the same things on the table, and Tom um, is watching, and I kept thinking, this is this could have worked really nicely like as a full circle mm-hmm. moment and it could have felt like oh this is this is something that's still there between them because that was one of my favorite moments in the first one you know that unspoken mm-hmm. lovely moment but and but it it feels it feels kind of lazy here it, it just it doesn't mm-hmm. really have the same impact because it kind of feels like oh yeah it's like the first one well but i feel okay. like there was a little hard i feel like there was a little bit of uh, heart missing to that moment which i feel like like a little bit of authenticity to it. It just kind of felt like too obvious. But anyway, maybe well, that's just me. Uh, the the reason it feels <laughs> that way is because it's not the right kid. He does right. that to Sean, mm-hmm. not Michael. Yeah. I mean, presumably yeah. we could say he did it to both his kids, but like 
that's not the one we've seen him do that with. So, or well, Ellen, huh. Ellen says, I think, like right after that bit, because I noted that down as well, uh, and I was yeah. like, it's very obvious what they're going for is this sort of taking. That's like I said right at the, at the top, really, like taking something from the first film that we remember and doing it again, but not really having any reason to do it. They then like try to justify it with Ellen being like. Oh, I remember when, like, you and your brother, you used to do that, like, with your with your mm-hmm. dad. And that annoys me because it takes away what seemed like a very organic, spur-of-the-moment thing in Jaws, yeah. where Sean is sat at the table with Brody, just kind of, like, copying him, and it's a, a, a genuinely sort of, like, sweet and lovely moment. And then this film, just because it wants to do that bit again, thinking it's sort of paying tribute, but it's actually just kind of lazy just recycling the same old stuff again Mm -hmm. then tries to make it like oh that was a thing that you and your brother used to do with (laughs) i don't know when something requires that much explanation i'm like do you need to bother putting it yeah (laughs) is my point (laughs) Mm -hmm. yep um you guys have anything else on jaws the revenge Hmm. (laughs) it's a christmas movie movie, yeah Right. Watch it totally every Christmas, forgot. along with Die Hard yeah. and uh, yeah. Die, <laughs> Die Hard, others. Kiss Kiss, Bang Bang, Jaws the Revenge. Yeah, Spider Man No Way. Ah, no way. We get caught, crucified. Don't do nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> Is No Way? Does No Way really mean, take place during Christmas? Yeah. I don't remember that. It, yeah, no, it was snowy. It was winter time. Oh yeah, yeah it was Christmas time. Hawkeye takes place during Christmas too. Right? Lovely. They're gonna kill us on film Twitter anyway for this, so why not? <laughs> film Twitter doesn't listen to yeah. this show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm gonna get them to listen to it. I was like, guys, I'm yeah. on here. I admit yeah. it to crime. I admit it to crime. <laughs> Find out what crime I committed. Listen. <laughs> Oh, it's the one we all did. That's the tease. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert, we're all yeah, criminals. Um, right. <laughs> it's yeah, I don't know if I... <laughs> I don't know if I have anything... Oh, sorry. Thelma is now barking. Uh, her contribute. Actually, <laughs> of all the Jaws films that I have watched with her in preparation uh, for talking about them on the podcast, Jaws the Revenge was, only the, was the only one she showed a vague interest in. So... Mm-hmm. Jaws the Revenge is officially Thelma's favorite Jaws film. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> probably the shark Make roared. of that what you will. I mean, probably because the shark that was roared. That's it. And was like, oh, yeah, hey, yeah. that sounds like me. <laughs> <laughs> it's speak, speaking my language, yeah. <laughs> That's my homie right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we, like, as we haven't really, we've spoken a lot about the various Brodies, mm-hmm. um, and a little bit about Michael Caine's character as well, but any of the anything else that kind of stood out about the the other characters in this? I mean, I I I quite liked Jake as a character. I think he was just there to be the sort of like quippy best best friend to to Michael, but um, I think he gives the film quite a bit of, of of lightness. And I was reading as well that I think the the actor who who plays Jake uh, name has Mar- Mario Van me. Let me find. That's it. Yep. That uh, that he wrote his own part oh, as well, cool. which I <laughs> I don't know. I just I just quite enjoy that. Um, yeah. And yeah, I again doesn't have a huge amount to do to do in this, and it probably would have been better if 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 he had have died just to rack up the body count yeah. a bit. But um, nothing like Brody's wife 
uh, as in Michael Brody's wife. She was fine. I didn't really have any kind of strong feelings about any of the other the other characters of of the characters that we haven't met before. Um, I did enjoy Hoagie, uh, Michael Caine's character, and and Jake as the kind of the main the main ones who have anything to do really. And I think it's super obvious how much fun Michael Caine is having in this film. I just quite enjoy it. He had a lo- he had a lovely holiday. Uh, and he tells everyone what a wonderful holiday he had making this film. I think he sees it as more of a vacation than <laughs> than a yeah. film he was in, uh, which fair enough, honestly. But yeah, I don't know if you guys had any any other thoughts on on the other characters that maybe we hadn't hadn't mentioned. Mm. Um, so what I will say about the Mario Van Peebles thing is so uh, Melvin Van Peebles, his father is a super important player in the black exploitation industry mm-hmm. so he made uh he mm. made sweet sweet back sweet sweet back's badass song um which is like mm-hmm. widely credited with inventing the genre essentially um he's also in this uh i think he's it's he's mm-hmm. credited as mr wood woodward is that what it is mr oh gosh i just had it mr witherspoon um Okay. I think he's the guy who dedicates the statue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. nice. Well, that's, that's fun. So, so him and his dad had a little, little vacay yeah, together. Yeah, and it's just cool to see, like... <laughs> I don't know, I feel like that movement is kind of written off, except by, like, the Tarantinos and Rodriguez's of the world, and um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a really interesting and important film movement um, for a lot mm-hmm. of reasons, and I've written about it in school, so I've done a lot of research on that movement, and so it was just, like, it was cool to kind of see the hat getting tipped their way, if even minimally, in something as mainstream as, like, a Jaws movie. Like, it's a big-budget universal movie, you know? Um... So it was cool to kind of see that. And, and I mean, Jaws has a lot of exploitation movie, or Jaws the Revenge has a lot of exploitation movie elements to it in general. Mm. I would argue that Jaws, the first one, does as well. It's just much better executed than this does. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah. That's it. I did not know that. That is a fun yep. fact. Very fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, um, I like one part I... about um, he he says a line, Michael, which I thought was like the greatest line anyone could ever hear in history. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard in any movie, this is unique to Jaws 4, anyone say the words, I've always wanted to make love to an angry welder. I've heard that's That's a first for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> yeah. I've never heard it before. ever again. Yeah. Yeah. So Jaws four bringing, uh, you know, to life the fantasies of wanting to make love to angry welders. <laughs> so. Yeah, I really thought that they were because there's a, there's a moment where he and his wife are, you know, being all kind of love eyes at each other. I, there was one bit and I was like, I'm gonna be really mad if they say want to get drunk and fall around because I feel like you can't one little bit awkward to use like the same lines your, your parents use when they're about to. To yeah why to would it. you know that but also <laughs> yes <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> questions um yeah i'm glad they didn't do that i think there are they do they do do things in this film that i'm kind of like oh i wish they weren't insisting on 
paying tribute to Jaws at like every possible point, but there are they could have done it so much more. I think it's just so lazy when sequels exist purely to be like, look at this thing that you remember. And there's ones that do it well, and there's ones that that do it very badly. I mean, we we spoke at length about how well Stranger Things does nostalgia. Obviously, it's you know not not a film, but it is. You know, we're, we're talking about the fourth season of that, and there are ways of paying homage to to things or referencing things that doesn't feel like on the nose and like it shouldn't be there and i think that there's probably a couple examples in this that work and quite a few examples that don't but Mm -hmm. they resisted in places as well which i uh appreciate (laughs) it could have been a lot worse i think Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I think that's kind of what it boils down to with this film, right? Like, it it, it could have been a lot worse, and I, I do yeah. think it gets a bit of a bad rap. Like, it is not it is not a good film. I cannot yeah. stress that enough. It's not a good film. Mm-hmm. But it's not the worst of the worst, the lowest of the low. I mean, we can... Should we do should we do our ranking of the Jaws films or is that going to get us cancelled, MJ? Oh, mine will definitely get me cancelled, but I don't care. Come after me. Whatever. Maybe let's... I think... Shuri, you haven't seen three, but maybe based on... Right, if I told you it's a coked up Dennis Quaid chasing a shark around an aquarium. Fuck yeah, number uh, one, baby! You rank it. <laughs> <laughs> you will rank it based on that description I mean, alone. Yeah. Leah, Leah uh, Thompson is in a bikini in that one as well, so. Number one, yeah, baby! Counterpoint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe if you get around to watching it, uh, you can let us know your ranking, and then we'll put it out as a Twitter poll, and you can decide. Uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> who who amongst us is is correct but my uh, all right the obvious number one is <laughs> jaws imagine if i said oh something yeah we, um, we're including jaws in yeah. that i thought you meant the sequels then yeah. yeah yeah okay well yeah i mean that's i feel like that's the obvious okay just the sequels then my favorite is still jaws 2 my second favorite is jaws the revenge and my third favorite is jaws 3d but i did enjoy it a lot more watching it for the pod than I've done previous times. Mm. So maybe thanks to the copious amounts of painkillers I was taking. Uh, but yeah, yeah. That's that's my uh, ranking. <laughs> mine's gonna get me real yelled at. This is like whenever I share Star Wars or MCU rankings. Um it's <laughs> uh, it's for um this is one, one to three. This is one to, this is one to three by the way. Uh so yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's the revenge I think 3D and then 2. <laughs> Holy shit. You will not see heaven for this. <laughs> yeah, I... Wild. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, that's... Well... Oh, wait. Hang on. I need to do, I, I need to do my thing that I do every time there's a, there's a franchise ranking. So, number one is Paddington. Number two is The Revenge. Number three <laughs> is Jaws 3D. And then number four is... Um, Uh I've done that with every ranking list I've ever had to put on the internet and no one has Uh ever said a word about that because Paddington is amazing yes yeah yeah no it's the best Jules film is Paddington my I mean he's a piece of shit so whatever but my ex-stepfather-in-law like got Mm -hmm. 
unreasonably mad at me because I listed Guardians 2 as my favorite MCU movie and put Guardians 1 kind of in the middle because I'm not as high on that movie as most people are and didn't say word one about Paddington being number one. It was the funniest <laughs> thing anyone's ever done while mad at me is just not mention that one of them was a movie that just is not in that franchise whatsoever. Very well. <laughs> There you go. Actually, I will join you on the Guardians 2 thing. Not as my favorite, but I will defend because I do enjoy that movie a lot more than its reputation, which I don't understand. I don't know why people hate that movie. I don't either. It's great. Uh, it's great. I yeah, it. it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, there's a baby group dances in the beginning. He falls yeah. down and then he keeps dancing. And it's yeah. like, well, how am I supposed to hate this now? Like, what, what do you... Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible. It's also like an MCU um, movie that's about something. Like, it's like two hours of people working their feelings out, which, like, right. is kind of dope. I don't know. I really like that movie. Um, that's actually one of the reasons I dug <laughs> Love and Thunder as well, because Love and Thunder is also a lot about Thor and Jane dealing with this fallout that's mm. happened because of all the stuff before and then Endgame with Thor. Like, all, like Thor has gone through some crazy shit, like, since Infinity War. And yeah. Ragnarok, in fact. You know? So, when he's... So, he's dealing with some of that, too. And Jane is dealing with stuff as well. So, all of that is honestly why I really enjoyed Love and Thunder, too. I was like, I like the these moments where they just are like... You break down these heroes to a moment and you just connect with what makes them human at the end of the day. It makes you relate to them a lot more. Which is why I like so the front half that. of Jaws the Revenge. And that's why it's my favorite. Because I think it does a good <laughs> job. I think it does a better job exploring the sort mm. of trauma and fallout from the mm. from Jaws 1 and 2 than Jaws 2 does of with Brody mm. in Jaws in Jaws 2. Right. So I that's mm. why it's my favorite. I think that the I think the stuff on Amity and like in some mm. spots in the Bahamas is like really great exploration of like what what Jaws mm. is post Jaws, uh, even if it doesn't mm. ultimately deliver on it and it's got weird like sharky sense and mm. a, a, a literal like revenge driven shark. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the concept is amazing, mm. really. And yeah. I'm glad we have closure on this. <laughs> Um, yeah. because I just uh, <laughs> I think it all just came together perfectly uh, and I mean okay it didn't mm -hmm. come together perfectly but the concept was very good <laughs> um, you know yeah but, uh, someone messed my catchphrase word in there I said something <laughs> I got it um, don't worry excellent <laughs> <laughs> Still one of my favorite moments on any episode. Uh, <laughs> Money bottom <laughs> oh. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh I think unless we've got anything else on, on Jaws the Revenge, we can uh we can end things there. Um we have got some thoughts uh from uh from our listeners on Twitter. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who got these in very quickly. I woke up from my lovely nap during Jules 4 to message from MJ just like have you put <laughs> have you put out the tweet asking for uh, Jules 4 reactions uh, I hadn't but <laughs> we did get a couple in so thank you everyone who um, who sent those in uh, so we've got at Wrath of Khan that's with three N's uh, allow me to offer you a two word review fucking dog shit <laughs> uh, succinct uh, to the point and uh one way of getting me to swear on a podcast. Although I've sworn quite a lot on this episode. We've just sworn 25 times in this episode, Sarah. <laughs> oh no, someone's been counting. <laughs> I'll put a lot of money in the swear jar. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, then we've got at Holly, 
Hollyfield Owen, uh, who said, Jaws the Revenge is an awful movie with a ludicrous plot. Uh, Michael Caine should forever be ashamed of himself for appearing in it. Oh, he got a nice house, though. Uh, on the other hand, it has a shark in it, and sharks are cool, so I still watch it every now and again. Hey. Relatable, yeah. I get that. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, at Haddock Witty, uh, last week's guest, uh, she said, worst shark ever, even pips the non-moving floating turd of Jaws 3D. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It looks bad for different reasons. <laughs> mm-hmm. That shark in Jaws three is terrible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> especially the sort of computer yeah. animated one. The oh, uh, awful, the the, the Ebert review calls the one in four. It says it looks like canvas with acne. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! <laughs> That's very funny. Um. Then we've got, uh, let me get all of these numbers correct, at Chris WI8998327 said, it's the only only Jaws movie I got to see in the theatre. I had a different ending when, oh, it had a different ending when it came to video. There we go, that's what we were talking about. This drove me crazy. Uh, It was the basis for Jaws the video game by LJN on their uh, NES. NES. Is that it? Yeah, <laughs> NES. Mm. <laughs> I can tell I'm not a gamer, um, which I still play occasionally for nostalgia. Oh, of, I didn't know that. One of the that. most notoriously terrible NES games out there. I've never played it. Um, mm. Yeah, but it's like pretty consistently on the list of like worst games ever for the NES. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I love those like really terrible film tie-in games. There's something about them that is just like, especially the ones that don't need to be a game. I just find like really quite funny um i'm gonna look up some things on that game (laughs) i want to see how bad it is um yeah i think that's i think that's all of our uh, all of our tweets over to you mj cool cool yeah yep 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 I'm sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yeah. Uh, Shoria, thank you so much for coming on again. It's been a real blast. Thank you for actually, I think, being the only person to volunteer to talk about Jaws the Revenge. So uh, <laughs> we love to see it. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, do you want to let people know where they can find you on, on Twitter and elsewhere um, and anything you would like to plug as well? And now is your chance. So thanks so much for having me again. Reviewing this movie was really, it's been a dream come true. I've been waiting so long to do this. Um, and I'm not even exaggerating, like not sarcastic. I've been wanting to talk about this movie for so long. So I, I'm glad to, you know, the catharsis is real. Um, but yeah, if uh, people want to find me, you get, um, I'm on Twitter under this under my name. Like it's pretty, I'm pretty easy to find. I'm also on YouTube. My channel is... Again, just my name. Lots of stuff happening over there right now, so you guys should go check it out. Really cool. Miss Marvel review just dropped. Hopefully Resident Evil will soon, soon so there's a lot to discuss. Um, hopefully there, whenever this episode goes up, this will already be out. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's... Uh, I don't know, MJ, if you've got anything. Oh, I can plug out the, the real... Uh, P episode that I am on just in case that <laughs> your microphone is not uh, doing the things that it should be but yeah I was on an episode of um, Real Perspective which is MJ's other podcast uh, and we were talking about Stranger Things series 4 um, and I'm not sure when that's going to be out but um, yeah listen to the, the, the podcast worlds collide I don't 
think I have had much else going on, so I'll leave it there. We're we're guesting on some other episodes, but when those are out, we'll um, yeah, we'll we'll bring them up. Uh, and yeah, so you can get in touch uh, with uh, us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Jaws for a Minute. You can email us, jawsforaminute at gmail.com if you don't use social media. Uh, you can also follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Sarah Buddery and MJ is at MJSmith891. On our socials, you will find our link tree. That's got links to buy our merchandise through TeePublic or Redbubble. Uh, you can buy our theme song through Bandcamp and it's got a link to our coffee page where you can send us a donation. Uh, earn a shout out on the show and an entry into a competition to win some merch as well uh, you can support the show at no extra cost as well we really appreciate that you can rate review and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice uh, let people know uh, about us uh, shout out to the entire country of Finland uh, because we we charted I think we were second and then we went down to fourth in the film history charts in Finland. So shout out to their entire country. Whoever is in Finland listening to us, we very much appreciate that. Um, and anyone else who listens as well, uh, all countries. <laughs> so thanks so much uh, for, for listening. Until next time, it's Jaws O'Clock somewhere. <laughs>